just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day. From local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard. To listen. And where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. is how you can get in the program. We're also taking your calls on the WBSM app and uh, open phone line. So call in, let's talk about whatever you want. Good evening. Thanks for holding. Marcus, you pushed me into nine o'clock. It's past my bedtime. Hey, I'm sorry. I had to, you know, calling the, uh, the 50 minute mark. I've got a, I've got a five minute commercial block. I've got to, um, I've got to handle. So I appreciate you you calling in the nine o'clock hour though. Now we have as much time to talk uh, as, as you'd like. And I'd like, I feel like I've had a birthday. Um, So, Marcus, uh, let me go back. So, when we were talking about Bill Russell, what a great guy. I was fortunate enough, uh, you know, when I was younger to go to um, the uh, uh, Dave Cowens camp. We had JoJo White there. That's cool. um, Yeah, at Regis College. But the earlier caller, that was was Tom from the South End? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, got it. So, just a little bit of, uh, you know, history here. When Bill Russell, when, when, uh, when he renegotiated that contract he was actually the highest paid athlete on the planet um and, and it was for a hundred thousand dollars you know about that right yeah yeah with, with imagine it, it was actually one hundred thousand and one dollars correct yeah imagine that right yeah imagine that so time value money i'm a finance guy you know how much money that is today how much nine hundred and forty eight thousand dollars really wow so all right. So what Tom was saying and about the game and, and Marcus, you know, me and you, we've been in a lot of pickup games with all of your friends at the parties and they pick you just before Charles Barkley and they pick me last. Okay. <laughs> but, um, but in, you know, without the endorsements, but I appreciate what Tom is saying. The game was different. Mm-hmm. He, you know, will the still and, and, uh, but 948k in today's time value money in today's dollars that's without endorsements and things yeah. like that these men they played because they loved the game i think right a little bit different than today um know? well you know i think you don't become as good i don't think you become as good as basketball as a lot of these do, these guys do without loving the game but i think also like you know you 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 work to become one of the you know, four, five hundred, or even two NBA is like two hundred best players uh, in the world, right? And um, you're making billions of dollars for a lot of these. You know, these 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 organizations are in the va- are valued at billions and billions of dollars. And Bill Russell, you know, that's a lot of money back then, right? Nine hundred thousand dollars, even still, is a lot of money. But I mean, the Celtics valuation wasn't all that great uh, as wasn't as big as it was now right um but maybe he deserved more uh, i i don't know 
Like it, it, it's fair to say that even as much as M- NBA players have made over their careers, the great ones especially, the the ones that are um, you know not as good have have more or less been exploited. Correct, correct. And Marcus, you always have great uh, great guests on. Thank Your you. last guest, uh, you know, again a little bit over my head with with his information, his knowledge about the drones and and um, you know traveling to some of those countries. And and we need people like that to keep a pulse on you know what's going on with some of these countries that that might not be on my bucket list or your bucket list. My idea of a good time is taking a client out for a walk with a thirty out six in Newfoundland and shooting some moose. <laughs> these guys are doing way different things, but so he was at UMD in in, in Dartmouth. Uh, yeah, he's he's still that he's at UMD. He's a tenured professor there. So. so I guess my my only question, the first thing that comes to my mind is a couple of your better friends used to uh, work out um, down the Cape in college, and when they came home, they would go. To the uh, to the UMD gym, but they worked out with the Sinaiof brothers at UMD. Yeah, and when, I, I, you, know, when yeah. I, you you remember those I, guys, right? Y- yeah, a lot of people. Um, a lot of people have seen them uh, around, right? UMass. Uh, I know a lot of people have seen them around UMass when they were yeah. um, when they went there. Somebody, yeah, somebody very close to me spotted him on a bench. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, Marcus, I guess my question is, you know, with all of the, you know, technology and information and, and intelligence, it still, it still kind of bothers me that that was right here. You know? Yeah, it, and in it, fact, it, in it, fact, Zarnayev, uh, the Tamerlan Zarnayev, like, you know, there's nothing, so like, there's nothing, like, you, you can't say it with, a, with, with certainty, but Tamerlan looks like he was an FBI asset, in fact, to the point where, you know, he com- may have committed a triple murder and had it basically, um, you know, it's still a cold case. So, you know, and it may have like not only right under our nose, but it seemed like there might have been some mishandling um, of that asset, which may not, have resulted not, yeah. in not the to talk about field offices of any three-letter organizations or agencies but you know when when the when the planes went into the twin towers my my co-workers one was supposed to be on one uh one plane you know they left from here right and the other was actually on the mezzanine level um of, of the second tower and it's uh Jeez, I don't, I, you know, some of this stuff kind of, can't we do a better job with, with, with identifying these people? And I mean, Boston, you know, great place, but what's going on? You know, right. I, I don't, I don't, maybe we can tune it up a little bit. Thoughts for another day, but great show, Marcus. Good to talk with you, pal. Appreciate it. Thanks, Barry. Thanks for the call. Yeah. Um, God, I was just listening to a podcast about the, uh, the Zernayev brothers. We'll mention them in a in a broader conversation, but uh, yeah, Tamerlan. I, Chris actually, when he's back, he can talk more about it. He had a author on when he when he was doing the Chris McCarthy show. He had an author on to talk about how Tamerlan Zarnayev was likely an asset used by um, the FBI or federal intelligence agencies. And how the mishandling of that asset may, you know, may have led to what it led to, you know, 
which I think is interesting. It's a it's one of those things. Yeah, it was like not only right under your nose. It was like not only right under their nose, but they they also like <laughs> they they like knew them. And they worked with them, right? It is kind of incredible. Five zero eight nine nine six uh oh five hundred that's how you can get on the program. <laughs> Reading some of these messages. <laughs> they're not for my show, but they're for other shows, and I think they're <laughs> Very, very funny. <laughs> Sorry. Um, we're taking your calls. You, you open phone lines. We're taking your calls or whatever you want. Uh, I was talking a lot about Bill Russell, and I, I guess I'll still talk about it, actually, because um, I have more to say about it. Bill Russell is a great player, and anybody who wants to, who's talked about this before that wants to call in again and talk about it, that's fine. My top five, I think... Listen, I, I, I've ranked LeBron ahead of Jordan before. I've changed my mind on that, but I still have. That's my undisputed. That's my you know undisputed top two, right? Is is LeBron and Jordan? I don't think it's close. I don't think it's close. I mean, those are the two best players of all time. Le- and and you look at their statistics, their accomplishments, and all that. I, I really. I don't see how you can argue otherwise, especially LeBron's going to capture the, um, and LeBron's going to win the, LeBron's going to win the, um, not win, he's going to get the all-time scoring, uh, he's going to be the all-time scoring leader probably either by the end of this year or, the, or by sometime next year. We knew he was going to keep on playing. So, um, you know, a lot of people do have Jabbar in their top three. He's obviously super accomplished, you know, six championships. Six MVPs, five or six MVPs, six championships, six MVPs. I would argue his MVPs, like, he played during a very weak... I mean, he's a fantastic player, and he was an amazing player, and he'd be good in any era. He'd be dominant in any era. Um, He'd be as dominant, right? I I would argue his MVPs are really not just... Not a testament... They're a testament to his greatness, but also a testament to... Really, the lack of like superstar talent in the seventies. Like you had Larry Bird, right? And then you had well, and a lot of that is because the ABA was around in the seventies. So Rick Barry played for the ABA for a while. Doctor J played for the ABA for a while. Moses Malone played for the ABA, right? So there was a there was there was a dilution of of talent in the league at the time. But you know, Kareem still the seventy one Bucks were still a great team. He won a cha- you know he won a championship with them and Oscar Robertson. They're probably one of the best teams of all time. The seventy one Bucks and he was great. And I believe he won MVP that year. Obviously, a big part of the Lakers, you know, dynasty in the they're winning five championships in the um, in the eighties. Uh, but he wasn't the best player. Magic Johnson was. Magic Johnson was the best player through and through. I think he's you know, I know Jabbar won the MVP that year, but. Magic Johnson, you know, was there game seven, played center, played Jabbar's position. Not is it game seven or game six? It was game six against the Sixers, played Jabbar's position and dominated and won. I mean, he was the best player throughout that. So I mean, you know, five of Kareem's six championships are as a second fiddle, really. But still a great I mean, again, statistically dominant, uh statistically dominant, accomplished. He was a winner. He did win at UCLA as well. 
um, as a with those you know that that dominant John Wooden era of uh, of college basketball. I might have went undefeated at UCLA. If I'm not mistaken, I think he had at least one undefeated season at UCLA. I, I don't have I, I you know I I think Magic Johnson or Kobe Bryant are my three and four. Uh, Magic Johnson and Kobe Bryant, I would say, and Larry Bird. That's my top five. Uh, you can you know move those guys around and again. If you have Kareem, your top five, I'm not going to fight you over it. If you have Will Chamberlain in your top five, I'm not going to fight you over that either. Fantastic, you know, statistically the most, one of the most dominant athletes statistically of all time, right? If not the most dominant athlete statistically of all time. I mean, the guy averaged 50 points a game one year, scored 100 points in a game. I believe one year averaged more minutes in a game than minutes actually are played in a game because of overtime. So he never came off the court. So there were like 48 minutes. He averaged like 49 or or 50 because he never came off the court. And then there was, you know, there was overtime games. And so, um, yeah, obviously he was a great player too. But I, I just can't justify, you know, Bill Russell was a great team player, obviously. But Bill Russell, just again, based on the numbers, was an offensive liability. He never once led his team in scoring. His postseason efficiency I believe is like 60th of all time. So it's fair to say he was an offensive liability, in fact. And if you look at other players, you know, you look, was Larry Bird ever a liability at all in any facet of the game? No. Right. Was Larry Bird ever a liability? Was Michael Jordan ever a liability? Was LeBron James ever a liability? No, they were not. I mean, Shaq was a free throw liability, but so was Bill Russell. I mean, Bill Russell was a terrible, terrible offensive player. And offense is always going to be more important than defense. I know we've got Celtics fans again. People have seen Bill Russell play and people love Bill Russell. And he was a great player, the best defensive player of all time. But to rank him, I think, in the top 10 is, is I think, severely overrating him. His numbers just don't bear that out. And you can say he's a great team player and all that, but a lot of that's situational. Red Auerbach is maybe the greatest executive in the history of sports. One of them at least, right? He's one of them at least. I think he's probably the best GM in NBA history. And Pat Riley's pretty good. Bob Meyer is pretty good too. R.C. Buford in the uh, in San Antonio, but I think Red Arbeck's the best GM in NBA history, and he put together those incredible teams. And again, there were eight teams in the league. You only had to win two series to win a championship. So again, a different errors and all that, but everybody else's game translates well, really, except for Bill Russell's. Bill Russell becomes a Ben Wallace type of player in most of the errors, and Ben Wallace is a great player, a Hall of Famer, four-time defensive player of the year. Maybe Russell's a better version of that, you know, because he was technically sound because he was, um, you know, athletic and and because he did, you know, he played smart. He revolutionized the shot block. Right. But I just there's going to be a lot of discussion about this. And again, I think to even say he's the greatest Celtics Celtic of all time is just so offensive to Larry Bird, who's clearly the best player to ever wear a Celtics uniform. 
it's just not even close. He has no flaw to his game. He was a brilliant shooter. He was a brilliant passer, playmaker. He could do everything, and he was a great defender. Not as good of a defender as Bill Russell, statistically, sure, but he still was a great defender, and he played in an era that was much more competitive and still won. And you know what? If Len Bias doesn't, you know what happened to Len Bias? If that doesn't happen, you might talk about a couple more championships. Because remember, Magic Johnson, who was a great player, Magic Johnson had James Worthy. Magic Johnson was able to get James Worthy uh, as the number one overall pick. It's kind of crazy how much, how many top picks the Lakers and Celtics got throughout their throughout their careers. Um, but Magic Johnson was able to get the number one overall pick the year after they won the championship. That was James Worthy, who played with Michael Jordan, those North Carolina teams, right? So maybe Bird Loon wins a couple more if he gets that same help that Magic Johnson gets, right? I, I, I think so. By the way, there's an interesting sort of story about how Len Bias essentially started the drug war. And, uh, you know, he, of course, if you're not familiar with who Len Bias is, he was drafted number two overall by the Celtics in 1986. Uh, he was drafted number two overall by the Celtics in 1986. The night he gets drafted, he overdoses on cocaine. And I believe his last words were, because uh, someone was telling him, you should stop doing that much cocaine I believe his last words were uh, I'm a horse and then that was that and he was a fantastic player he had length athleticism a lot of people said he would be the com uh, competitor uh, that Michael Jordan never had during his era which seems hyperbolic because uh, you know you're, you're saying that this guy's going to compete with the greatest player of all time you know and Michael Jordan was just so much better than everybody that who who he played against at that at, at that time it's and and Len Bias wasn't even the number one overall pick. He was number two. Brad Doherty was number one for the Cavs. That didn't end up working out. Well, I mean, Brad Doherty was a good player. He wasn't a great player. Uh, wasn't the number one overall pick player. But I guess got more production out of Brad. The Cavs got more production out of Brad Doherty than the Celtics did out of Len Bias, right? But Len Bias basically overdosed on cocaine. At the time, the Speaker of the House was Tip O'Neill. So when the, Tip O'Neill was actually scheduled to have lunch with Len Bias in Washington, D.C., that obviously didn't happen. Tip O'Neill then gets a, um, you know, a flood of calls and outrage into his district offices because Tip O'Neill was in Boston, right? He actually had uh, Joe Kennedy, uh, not Joe Kennedy. Jack Kennedy's um, old district in Boston. So he he gets uh, just a flood of outrage and 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 anger at the you know Len Bias essentially dying, uh, not essentially dying because he overdosed on cocaine. They want something to be done about this because you know you're thinking at the time the Celtics in '86 had one of the best teams of all time, right? They were forty and one at home. They were 40-1 at home, and they ended up winning the championship. They beat the Houston Rockets in the championship. They actually swept Michael Jordan uh, that year. That was the year Michael Jordan had like 63 points against them in the playoffs and still wasn't good enough to beat them. They were that good. 
They beat the Houston Rockets in the finals. Again, one of the best seasons of all time, 60, 67 and 15, I believe. And then they get the number two overall pick. Overall pick, And they're like, oh, my God, we're going to be good for decades to come. And they should have been if Len Bias was as good as he projected to be. But he died of a cocaine overdose. And then there were stories in the news about how this was like, you know, some sort of extra strength cocaine or crack. And they, they I think they erroneously even called it crack cocaine. Right. And so all of this outrage, you know, coupled with the fact that the guy who the most powerful lawmaker in the country was from Boston and hearing all of this from, you know, hearing all this outrage from his constituents in Boston meant they needed to mobilize. So Tip O'Neill did mobilize, right? He did mobilize in the late 80s, uh, late 80s, and uh, passed that uh, Omnibus um, uh, Drug Enforcement Act. Joe Biden was a big part of that too, obviously. And I think someone, Radley Balco, who was an author who wrote Rise of the Warrior Cop and a few other books about you know criminal justice and all of that, he had called Len Bias the Franz Ferdinand of the drug war. Franz Ferdinand, um, the Archduke Franz Ferdinand, who got shot, and you know people say led to World War One. They called he called Len Bias the Franz Ferdinand of the drug war. Which I, again, interesting. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. So you can get on. Let's go to the phones. Good evening. Thanks for holding. Hey, Marcus. It's Sam. How hey. are you? Hey, Sam. What's up? Uh, how you been? I've been pretty good. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm hanging in there, hanging in there. Uh, so a couple of things. Um, um, I was just going to ask, you know, I blew it already because I was going to say, it's Sam, the unofficial co-host of whatever your <laughs> show's called tonight. Because right. <laughs> I don't really know what to call it anymore. So uh, what's the official title? South Coast Tonight. South Coast Tonight. All right. That's probably easy enough to remember. Um, so did you happen to catch the, uh, the news about that um, terrorist that was taken out on his balcony? The uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, Saudi Arabian terrorist. I think they traced it. He was like um, the right hand man to Saddam Hussein. Oh yeah, we were talking about uh, Amin al Zawari. I just had a, yeah. I just had the uh, professor from UMass, uh, foreign policy expert from UMass Dartmouth, come on oh. and talk about that at length in the eight o'clock hour. I missed it. It's I'm okay. Sorry, it's it. cool. Yeah, my uh, my mother in law had to go to the hospital for a small operation, but not small operation. Oh boy. Anyway, that's a whole other story. But she's sure. she's better. She's uh, on the mend and coming back, so um, things things are going good there. But um, yeah, so from what I understand, um, and I wish I had caught that hour. Maybe I'm going to have to try to catch it on the podcast. Yeah, um, is that this uh, drone strike was not an explosive type drone? Is is that? Did he say anything about that? Yeah, he did. He talked specifically about that because he's got a book out about um, about these types of drones. So essentially, it was a uh -huh. book with. I mean, it was a it was a uh, it was a missile. That was a mm -hmm. pinpoint accurate missile and had like blades in it essentially. So there was no explosion. It was targeted directly at him, and wow. I think, for lack of a better term, on my end, impaled him. Uh, so there was no explosion. There was no casualties. His family was there in the home, and that missile oh, just came up and 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 hit him again with pinpoint accuracy. I believe with with some type of sharp object like a, a knife or a blade. Right, turned him into. A bunch of mess, huh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sheesh. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, I'm gonna have to try to catch that podcast. How how often does it like? Uh, how quickly does the podcast come out? You know, um, you know, I, I send it in a couple of days. Uh, no, usually 
usually an hour after we get off air. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, within the uh, within the hour, it's on. It's either on the uh, the app might take a little bit longer, but it's sometimes on Apple Podcasts or Spotify before it's on the uh, before it's on the app. So, okay. Now I don't know if um, if networks have anything to do with you know who you run it with. Is it playing on TuneIn by any chance? You know if that's one of the T- um, yeah. I don't know. Tim Tim knows better than me. I know there's one. There is one platform that doesn't take us because. Uh, because they are owned by a, a competing like radio right. media company, but yeah, that's uh, kind of what I was going with. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just don't know if it's if it's that if it's that if that's the app, then then I would guess no. But if you type yeah. in if you type in WBSM to that to tune in or whatever, and sure. you find us there, then this podcast will be there too. Then it, yeah, it'll be there. Yeah. Oh, it's good. Um, so Chris is off for the evening. Chris is off. He'll be back later in the week. Off for a few days. Dancing again, huh? Yeah, I took some time off. He took some time off. You know, it's it's August, I, so you know, vacation. I thought he was out dancing, dancing and partying again. Yeah, like he right. used to do years yeah. ago. Yeah, maybe <laughs> he could be. <laughs> could, could be. Yeah. All right, I'm going to let you go. I just wanted to check in and say hello. Um, nice talking to you. And I'll look, I'm going to look that up on the podcast because that's uh, that's pretty interesting. When you can laser, hit somebody like a laser target, and uh, I'm sure he never saw it coming, right? I mean, he probably didn't hear it, the drone. No. Or, no, I, I can't imagine he could have. Yeah. Did he say like how far away that um, that can be shot from? He did. I don't have an idea. He did. I don't remember exactly yeah. how far away it was, but um, oh. you know, he was talking about how sophisticated the, these these uh, drone attacks are and how precise they can be now. And yeah. in so far as like there aren't going to be very there, you know, there is the capability of having like there virtually no civilian casualties. Yeah, so that's pretty amazing. Yeah, well, it makes you wonder. Makes you wonder if some of these UFOs aren't UFOs after all, and they're actually our technology that's uh, just you know being tested out there in the open, and somebody happens to see some of it. You know, yeah, could be ours or, or somebody else's. Frankly, sure. yeah. What do, you, what do you think about Nancy Pelosi going over there to uh, Taiwan? Yeah, it seems to. I mean. Uh, you know, I was listening to Barry talk about it a little bit today, and I kind of agree. Like, you know, you, you know, President Xi can't dictate where we go and where we don't go, but it does seem to it undermines right. China. It it does seem like an aggressive move. China did say, you know, basically uh, you're playing with fire, and you're, I think they're almost exact words where yeah. you're playing with fire and you're going to get burned. And the Biden administration, yeah. their official response was like, you know, from their national security advisor was very, very on the fence, like very carefully. Um, yeah. dictated so uh you know i'm not sure exactly why she did it you know there have been speaker that like newt gingrich went there in 97 that's the last time a sitting speaker of the house has gone there um yeah. and so it seems like you know and actually dr williams said this it seems like you might be inflaming tensions with china unnecessarily especially with russia on the brink of losing their you know foothold in ukraine it doesn't seem like uh, a politically a smart time. play. Yeah, it's not a good time. No, it's really it's not a good time to start more friction. I mean, you know, we right. just it, we've got to stop trying to be the the big bully on the playground. You know, I mean, I, I I understand that you know China shouldn't be able to dictate to us who we can go to, who our allies we can visit, and who we can't. Um, but on the other hand, you know, they probably could have downplayed it a little bit better and just made it seem like, you know, I mean, let's say, let's. That that information from China saying you know you shouldn't we don't want you to come here didn't have to get out you know I mean that could have been kept as top secret stuff so there's something else going on here that they want us to be paying attention to this 
And who knows what it is that they're trying to sweep behind the back scene. You know, like yeah. maybe they want this on the front burner so that we're looking at it and paying attention when it's really a bunch of nothing and whatever else is trying to go on behind the scenes is something else. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, no, you that know, could I be true. Like to see all this war stuff end already, you know? Yeah. Instead of, instead wouldn't, of that <laughs> wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. yeah. All right, have a great night. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate it. Uh, 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program uh, I'm actually going to take a break now and we get back. We'll be taking your calls and getting your messages on the WBSM app chat. So, yeah, um, 508-996-0500 saying in the program, uh, open phone lines. We're just talking about, you know, whatever you want, because it's this is all for you. The great audience of WBSM really you guys really are a great audience and we really do appreciate you. So, um <laughs> uh, oh, funny. I'm just reading some of these messages. But uh, by the way, um, it is a, um, it's my mother's birthday. So if you want to call in in the last 20 minutes or so and, and wish Pam a happy birthday, we sure would, you know, she would appreciate it. I would at 508-996-0500. She wanted me to, do something light and funny uh, on the show for her birthday. So naturally, I booked, um, you know, someone to talk about uh, Al Qaeda <laughs> and drone and drone strikes <laughs> uh, on her on her special day. But um, yeah, so without 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 my mother, there wouldn't be South Coast tonight, or at least South Coast tonight as it's presently constructed. So um, happy birthday. 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program. Uh, Chris will be back later in the week, but I kind of like this uh, message. I very much dislike South Coast tonight. Everyone talks at once, interrupt each other, and it just mumbo jumbo. <laughs> Can't make any sense of most of it. Please, only one person speak at a time. Sent at 5.04 in the morning. <laughs> 5.04 in the morning. Oh man, I'm sorry. Uh, a lot of people seem to like it, though. We're getting a ton of great reception. Uh, we're getting so much good reception that I felt confident about reading that message on the air. And uh, I don't know. What do you guys think? I maybe you know. I think that's just the way. It is. <laughs> I'll try to tell Chris when he's back to. To be nice, and I'll try to be nice myself, and uh, and not a, uh, you know, not interrupt him, or we'll just keep doing what we're doing. Five oh four a.m. Though I, I I thought that was interesting. You wake up at five in the morning. I'll be honest with you, I was not up at five in the morning, but she woke up at five in the morning. Says that darn South Coast tonight, that Chris and Marcus. Oh man. <laughs> It's mumbo jumbo. <laughs> I'm sorry. Maybe it's not that funny. I just think it is. Oh God. We we've been off the air for six hours. <laughs> There's not even we don't even have local programming at five. Phil's not on for another hour. <laughs> 
and mumbo jumbo. Oh, Carol, we'll, we'll do right by you. I promise. I promise we'll do right by you, Carol from New Bedford. We'll do our best because <laughs> I I do appreciate the de- dedication of waking up at five in the morning and cursing South Coast the night um, with with Chris and Marcus tonight. Just Marcus. 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program. I don't even know where to transition on that, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, but there's been a lot going on, right? We have a lot of local stuff going on. Uh, I guess I'll preview the sheriff's debate that's coming up, the Democratic sheriff's debate. for uh, This was a three-person Democratic primary for the right to run against Tom Hodgson in the fall. And I already, I, I already asked, you know, I think you you might have heard that interview with uh, Sheriff Hodgson, uh, with Chris Mee and, and Sheriff Hodgson, that explosive interview with Chris Mee and Sheriff Hodgson. That was actually talked about at the wedding I was at over the weekend, um, you know, where he engaged uh, his supporters, his detractors, even a plaintiff in the lawsuit for people that are suing him. It was, you know, he, he, t- he took my questions. He took Chris's questions. And frankly, he did a pretty good job. You know, I, I thought he did really well. Um, but uh, it was, you know, again, you got some calls from, again, supporters, detractors, t- took our questions as well. He was here for a couple hours. Uh, that That's on that's on the podcast. You can definitely check that out. Anywhere where podcasts are offered, except, except I guess this one, maybe one platform. Anywhere where podcasts are offered, uh, a lot of people really enjoyed it. It was a really great two hours of radio. But we're going to have another great couple hours. Of, I mean, every hour of radio we're doing is a great two hours of radio. But uh, we're going to have a sheriff's debate. It's going to be in um, on uh, August 17th at... Eight from eight to ten. So we're gonna have Attleboro Mayor Paul Haru, uh, Attorney Nick Bernier, and former Somerset Police Chief George McNeil. They're gonna be in studio. They're gonna ask be asking each other questions, which I think is cool. And they're gonna be taking your calls too. So if you want to call and ask them questions, uh, or call and tell them what you think, you can. You can call in and, and speak with them directly. And then after, one of them's gonna win. In on September 6th, the primary. And by the way, what I think is great is about about this show is that we're going to be able to we're we're going to be broadcasting on election night. That used to be just a special thing WBSM did, um, but now it's every election, every town election, every primary election on midterms in general. Uh, we will be doing live election coverage here in the Commonwealth and, and locally. So whoever comes out of that September 6th primary between Bernie Haru and McNeil is going to be facing Sheriff Hodgson. Now I put Sheriff Hodgson on the spot when we were talking with him and I asked him to do a primary debate or no, I mean a general election debate with us from whoever wins that primary. And he was, he was all for it. So that will be really good. We'll be able to host, you know, we're going to host some debates and stuff like that. And I, I think it's a, I mean, I really, I think it's a great slot for it. So um, that's something to look forward to. Uh, this Friday, actually, me, Chris and I will be sitting with the uh, two candidates for state auditor. They're going to the feast, right? And then they're, they're going to they're going to stop in after Anthony Mori, who uh, is a Republican running for state auditor. who got the endorsement of Charlie Baker, actually, Governor Charlie Baker. He's an interesting guy. He's running for auditor, 
and uh, and uh, Diana Zaglio, she's a state senator, uh, very um, you know leader in the state senate, and she is going. She's spent uh, about seven or eight years as a rep before that, and she is going to be joining us as well. That's a very competitive primary between her and Chris Dempsey. So she's going to be joining us at eight o'clock. So we're going to have Desaglio at 8, uh, Amori at 7. Chris and I will be talking to the two state auditor candidates. We've got a lot of questions for them. I think it'll be interesting. And and you can ask them questions, too. If you're one of those people that likes to do the, the day feast thing, which is what I prefer. Frankly, I mean, I don't really have a choice, right? I got <laughs> to work. But if you, like the, um, if you like to do the day feast thing, you can come home, listen to South Coast tonight, and put... Um, uh, and call in and ask Senator DeSaglio or Anthony Amori questions. Uh, and, you know, they'll tell you why they want to be your state rep and what they're going to do for the South Coast specifically. All right. 508-996-0500. Good. Take a break. I'll be right back. 1420. W- Hi, I'm Marcus. Chris is out for today. He'll be back later in the week. He is. I took some time off. Last week to uh, enjoy the Cape, and now he's taking some time off. So, uh, but he'll be back later in the week. Definitely for the interview with uh, Anthony Amori and Diana DeSaglio. So, um, but there are some primaries going on today in Arizona, if you care, which I, I think you probably probably should care a little bit. There is. Because the midterms are the midterms are, are, are you know coming up, but we'll save the republic. I'm just reading some stupid tweets actually, but basically, um, so basically, uh, Arizona's got a primary day for I believe the Republican Senate, and whoever wins is going to challenge. Um, is going to challenge uh, Mark Kelly, who's a senator from Arizona. He's an astronaut. He's a Democrat. He's an astronaut. Uh, his wife is Gabby Giffords, who um, his wife is Gabby Giffords, who was shot. You will remember, um, like shot in the face in 2011, I believe, while she was a sitting congresswoman. And has since become an uh, advocate for gun control laws. Uh, she was actually pronounced dead, I believe, from some networks. They they had run like a Gabby Giffords whatever till 2011, and it turned out she ended up living. She suffered some, you know, she suffered some brain damage uh, from that, but is still. Um, it's interesting. So Kansas voted no to remove constitutional protections for so they they actually voted there was a constitutional amendment to essentially outlaw abortion in kansas they voted no and it's going to be in double digits i wonder if that's a bellwether for the midterm elections i doubt it honestly with the way that the democrats have responded to Roe v. Wade being overturned. I seriously doubt it. But I think that's interesting that in Kansas, they tried to put a constitutional amendment on that removed abortion protections, and it lost by double digits. Huh. Rashida Tlaib won her primary. 
by a lot. Detroit beating Detroit City Clerk. Um, so, but uh, basically, I think it's Blake Masters that's coming out of the Republican primary, uh, and Blake Masters is, I believe, one of those dumb dumbs who thinks that the election was stolen. So uh, he's running against Mark Kelly, which could be the the race to decide who has control of the Senate. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. Let's take a break. Oh, I'm Marcus. Chris is out. He'll be back later in the week, but working on getting some guests for you guys. I've got, um, I know I've talked to, I talked to Chris Hendricks recently, the chair. He's not the chair. I'm sorry, but he's on the, he's on the house judiciary committee. So I know he has some opinions on this dangerousness bill that the house recently rejected. And I'm looking forward to talking to him probably Open Thursday, but you know, uh, I've uh, talking to him about trying to get on the program to talk about this. I think it's really important. So, uh, and uh, you know, getting other people together to, to react to what happened in Beacon Hill and other local news of the week. So, uh, stay tuned. I will see you guys uh, tomorrow on South Coast tonight. Bye.